good to have our visitors with us this morning. We're encouraged uh, by your presence and by your being here, and we hope we're an encouragement to, to you as well. <clears throat> this morning, I'd like for us to talk about um, self-control. And I was in I was in Alabama a few weeks ago, and I was in a waiting room over there at a uh, getting my truck seats worked on. And, um, I was there for quite a while, and I got to talking to a lady uh, in the waiting room as well, and. Her job was at UAB. She was retired, but her, her job, her career was spent at the UAB hospital with dealing with people that had, where would come in to UAB and uh, they were in a situation that was, um, I would say, critical by talking to her. And the reason that she would go see them is to help them quit smoking. So she, I forget the exact name of her job, but it was essentially um, quit smoking counseling is the easiest way. There was, there was more technical term for it, but I don't remember. Um, so that was her job. That's what she spent her life doing. And so I was very curious about uh, about that. And so I asked her the question. I said, so, you know, she was talking about the nicotine patches and the nicotine gum and things, you know, she talked to these people about. And I said, so what, what was really down at the root of why people quit or didn't quit? Because they had the highest... Uh, while she was there, they had the highest success rate of people quitting smoking of anywhere in the country, I think is what she told me. It was really high. I can't remember the percent, but I was, I was impressed. I was like, wow, that's, that's, it was over 50%. And um, when I said, down at the core, why do people quit or not quit smoking? And the term she used was willpower. And I was like, well, the biblical term for that is self-control. And so we talked about that for a while. I mean, I, we talked for over an hour probably. Uh, and we talked a lot about this subject and you know the thing that she told me is she said you can have I can counsel someone and they can we can give them all the you know the the fanciest medical things that are offered to people in this situation which being the, the gum and the patches and the, all those things but if they won't put the pack of cigarettes down if they go to the store and buy them it doesn't matter and so it all boils down to our mind and our our, our ability uh, within ourselves uh, to have that self-control uh, that the Bible uh, speaks a good bit about. If you'll flip over to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16 and verse 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. So uh, this idea of ruling the spirit, this idea of having control over our spirit. 25 and verse 28, Proverbs 25 and in verse 28, whoever has no ruler, whoever has no ruler over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And so uh, Solomon is, is saying that if you can't rule over your own spirit, uh, it's like a city with this broken down walls. Everything is taken down uh, from there. Just did a quick search on Google images of, of self-control, and you just get countless uh, pictures. But um, I wanted to talk a minute about, there's a lot of them about food, and then a lot of them about anger or words. And so Matt leading that song on angry words I thought was very appropriate, you know, this being in control of those things. And the Bible talks a lot about uh, bridling the tongue, as James would call it. But 
uh, there was a bunch of images on food and a bunch of images on anger. So you see the dragon back there, you know, and he's, he's, he's being held back. But this, this idea with the dog and the treat on his nose, and um, it's really kind of struck me because I'm not a dog trainer at all. And I've got a little uh, setter puppy. She's about seven months old. And I have trained her to be starving hungry. I've done, and I know this may sound cruel, but I, I'll hold food back for a couple of days. I've done this just to see how, how good I'm doing with my training. And, and then go put food in her bowl, and I tell her, hold. She'll just stand there by that bowl. And stand there, and stand there, and stand there. And then when I tell her, go ahead and eat. Good girl. She'll eat. And so the point that I think this picture is getting at is we can, we can train animals to have control over um, the, the things that, the only thing that really keeps them going, the food that we give them. We can train them um, to not eat when, when they're really hungry. Uh, and so, you know, if we can train dogs to do this, surely we can train ourselves. You know, we can, we can train ourselves to have control over the things that tempt us, over the things that are um, of the flesh, those fleshly desires. We can do it. There's hope for all of us. If I can train my dog to do it, there's hope for all of us. Uh, and then you see this guy with with you know the arms coming out of of his brain you know that that's this willpower that's that idea that lady was talking about that the, the will of the mind the will of our heart and the will of our soul holding back our fleshly side and I think that's what that picture gets at at least in my mind and then you see the the guy with the boxing gloves and with his brain and so he's battling with his brain the things in his mind that's telling him don't do something and he there's there's a there's a battle going on in all of us I think for for something in our life, there's a battle going on where our flesh is trying to get us to do something and we're in our mind and everything we know is like, I know I shouldn't and I know I don't need to, uh, but there's a battle going on in all of us. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And self-control is the best superpower you can have. Uh, and then, of course, we see this little girl over here. She wants that hamburger bad. Uh, and she's just licking her lips. but she, She's just going to look at it. Uh, and I guess we're trying to, you know, wait and see how long she can just look at it before she reaches up there and grabs it. But um, so I, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, if you look in your New Testaments, uh, there's several words, and we'll define them here in a minute that talk that get to this idea of self-control. Uh, depending on what what version you're reading, it might be uh, come across as temperance or self-discipline, sound judgment, sound mind, discipline, or self-control. That's what uh, most of your your Bibles will call it. And then, if, you know, when I was doing that, those Google searches, I was just trying to pull out what is the world, what are the terms the world uses for this idea of self-control? Master, uh, self-control, self-regulation, willpower, that, that word that lady used, uh, self-discipline, um, res resolution or resolve, commitment and determination. And so, obviously, that determination to, to overcome something that, that we... Um, our fleshly side wants and our mind is determining or we're committed not to do that thing, uh, whatever it may be. There is, um, let's see, yeah, there's going to be, there's six different uh, Greek words. I'm, we're not going to, um, this is just the, the, I just put the numbers up there. I'm not going to try to pronounce them, but I, I thought it was worth our while to uh, define these and look at the definitions of these different words because I think uh, they all kind of get at a little bit of a different angle of this subject. So, and it may be small. I see some folks squinting in the back, but 
Um, we'll start at the top. A mastery or self-control, and I, I'm giving the Thayer's definition. Thayer defines it as the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetite. So here again, this battle uh, of our mind and of our heart and our soul over those things that are fleshy. So the battle of the flesh and the spirit. Uh, 1467 be to exercise self-control. Um, this... This is the word used in 1 Corinthians 7 when Paul is talking about having self-control over our sexual desires. Uh, and then also in 1 Corinthians 9, 25, we'll, we'll read this verse later, but uh, this I, he's saying that uh, athletes are temperate in all things is the way the New King James uh, references it. Uh, but Thayer's defines that to exhibit self-government, conduct oneself uh, temperately. Uh, that, that's out of 1 Corinthians 9 used in a, in a figure drawn from athletes who, in preparing themselves for the games, abstain from unwholesome food, wine, and sexual indulgence. So here again, we get this idea of the flesh and the, and the spirit warring with one another. 1468, strong or master of self-control. Thayer's defines it as properly equivalent to strong, robust, having power over, possessed of a thing, um, mastering, controlling, curbing, restraining, controlling oneself, temperate or uh, content. 49.95, self-control, self-discipline, prudence. Thayer's defines that an, an admonishing or calling to soundness of mind, to moderation and self-control. And these last two, 49.97 and 49.98, soundness of mind, self-control. Um, and then Thayer's define that as soundness of mind, self-control or sobriety. And so you see all of them are kind of getting at the same thing, but from a little bit of a different angle. And so this is how uh, our New Testaments uh, would, would, use, would use this word self-control. And then who is to have self-control? We see out of 1 Timothy uh, 3 and in verse 2. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach. And so this, this word temperate, uh, would fall in this category. And also in Titus 1 in verse 8, here again speaking of elders, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled. And so uh, here we see that elders are to be self-controlled. Older men in Titus 2 and in verse 2, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love and patience. And so this, this word temperate is the word uh, of self-control here. And then in verse uh, verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. So um, <clears throat> the older women are supposed to admonish the younger women to be self-controlled or to be discreet uh, is how the New King James uh, references it here. Um, women in First Timothy 2 and verse 5, it's mentioned there. 2 and verse 15, excuse me. Nevertheless, you will be saved in childbearing if they continue in, in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. And so, uh, the last couple verses, First uh, Peter, or 2 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter 1, verses 5 uh, through 11. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if, they think, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we see of this list of things uh, that, that all of us are supposed to add is self-control. And if you notice what uh, Peter says there in verse 9, for who lacks these things is short-sighted. So if we lack self-control among these other things, uh, we're short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. And so uh, by that statement, we would see that our old sins, our fleshly side, uh, didn't have self-control, didn't have all these other things, and now we're supposed to have these things. And then he tells there in verse 10, verse 10 uh, to make your, be more diligent to make your collections more. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And so, uh, and then in verse eleven, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into, into the kingdom. So he's, Peter's telling us uh, really three three reasons to add these are three things here uh, that this is this is part of our old our old sin, our old fleshly desires that we have to get away with. There in verse nine. Uh, if we do these things in verse 10, we're not going to stumble. And if we do these things, we're going to have an entrance into the kingdom. And among these is self-control of what we're focusing on this morning. So uh, Peter is giving us good reason to have self-control, to have control uh, of our flesh, our fleshly desires, have our mind master those things. Uh, and in 1 Corinthians 9, in verse 25, we already referenced it. This is where uh, Paul... It's talking about um, the striving for the crown. Let's start in verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. And bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And so this, this word temperate is this word of, of self-control, uh, or this idea of self-control, being self-controlled in all things, being temperate in all things. For what? So that we can obtain that imperishable crown. And here again, Paul's getting the same thing Peter was getting at. If you have self-control, that entrance is going to be supplied to you. You're going to gain that imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus... Uh, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But what's he saying in verse 27? I discipline my body. And, what has, and what's he doing? He's bringing it into subjection. And so here again, this idea of our mind bringing our fleshly desires into subjection. We're discipline, we're, we are a disciplined people. We're bringing our body, our fleshly desires, into subjection. And so that's what self-control is all about, is taking um, those fleshly desires that we have and overcoming them. Being a master of them, of them, if you recall some of those definitions, mastering uh, those things. And then some other passages to consider. If you would turn over to Galatians 5, and in verse, uh, starting in verse 16, uh, we're going to read 16 through 26, uh, and just, just think about uh, all this for a minute. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. 
Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But this fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so here we see at the end of verse 23, uh, self-control being added to this list of the things that are of the fruit of the Spirit. And then he says in verse 24, again, we see this in the context that those uh, who are Christ, those who have put on Christ, what have they done? They've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I don't know if you know this or not, but each and every one of us have passions and desires that come with the flesh. Each and every one of us do. So we're all having this battle of um, needing to crucify the flesh and putting on the Spirit. And part of putting on the Spirit is being self-controlled and putting away those things and being a master of them again. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Uh, and so uh, Paul just reiterating that idea. I think a question uh, worthy of us to stop and think about, if you look back starting in verse 19 through verse 21, you get this list of things that are of the flesh. Just think about this for a minute. Um, how much of these things of the flesh would not be a problem if we had self-control, if we had master over those desires? Uh, adultery could be taken care of. Fornication, uncleanness, uh, hatred. You know, we're not supposed to hate one another. Jealousy is just outburst of wrath. And we talked earlier about this controlling of, of the tongue, controlling of our anger. Uh, selfish ambition, dissensions, uh, heresies. How many, how many of these things spring forth just because um, in, a, in a moment of weakness I cannot control my flesh? Pretty much all of them on this list It comes from that. And so we see how important, important it is to have uh, self-control because we can, we can master these things that, that tempt us. And each of us are tempted by different things. Each of us... Each of us have different desires and passions, as he says there in verse 24, uh, that we are to uh, master, that we're to control um, within ourselves. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. It shows up uh, again. <clears throat> I kind of think about these lists as good lists and bad lists. So, that, you know, I, this shows up on a bad list, I guess, uh, people that don't have it. But. Uh, starting in verse chapter 3 and in verse 1, But know this, that in last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of ple pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. And so... Uh, Paul is telling Timothy here, turn away from these people that don't have all these things, and among those is self-control. Uh, and you see, um, it shows up in this list of what I would, you know, seem as a term at least uh, of some bad things, some things that uh, we should not be participating in. And so 
Uh, he's telling us, he's saying here, without self-control, people that don't have self-control, turn away from these folks, um, and for good reason. One thing, we're going to hit two more points here, but uh, one thing I think for us to keep in mind when, when we're thinking about this, because it's hard to have control over all of those things that tempt us, all those passions that we have, all those desires of the flesh that we have, it's hard to have control over all those. And, and, and we're going to stumble from time to time. But I think it's, it's important for us to note that God expects, expects us to win the battle. You know, I think sometimes we, we make light of these things. You know, that's just who I am, or that's just tough, or everybody's like that, or, you know, it's something everybody deals with, or, you know, nobody masters this. You know, I'm, I'm at work or at school or wherever, and everybody, you know, does this, and we know it's bad. And so, therefore, um, you know, I'm not really expected to win, win the battle. Well, that's just not the case. God expects us to win this battle. And Mr. Gary read this on Wednesday night, and it really stuck out to me in dealing with the story of Cain and Abel. And there in Genesis 4 and verse 7, um, starting verse 6, So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its, and, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So God's telling Cain, he expects him to master. He expects Cain to rule over this. That's what God expects out of each and every one of us. He expects us to win the battle. Romans 6. Romans 6. And in verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and being, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. There in verse 12, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. In verse 14, uh, For sin shall not have dominion over you. You're supposed to have dominion over sin. We are supposed to... Uh, master it, we are supposed to overcome it, and we can overcome it. God expects us to do so. Second Peter 3 and in verse 9, um, just I think a, a word of encouragement, at least for me. Uh, he says here, uh, I'm going to pick up in the middle of the verse. That, well, we'll just read it all. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any of us should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so uh, I take a lot of... Um, comfort in this verse that he didn't want any of us to perish. He didn't want me to perish. And so, you know, here again, this idea of God wanting us to win. Flip over uh, probably a couple of pages in your Bible to 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. So God wants us to win. Let's look at what the devil wants. 1 Peter 5 and in verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith and knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And so we know what the devil's plan is. The devil's plan is to devour each and every one of us. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's trying to do every day. He wants to take all of us to hell. That's where he wants us to go. Verse 9, Peter tells us, resist him. He wouldn't tell us to resist him if we couldn't. So we need to remember that. Uh, we are to resist him. We are to steadfast, be steadfast in the faith. And 
going back to what we talked about just a minute ago, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And, and so uh, understand that you're not uh, the only one struggling with whatever you're struggling with, whatever your, your, uh, your flesh is trying to get you to do, whatever the devil's trying to get you to do. Um, you're not the only one dealing with that. Um, and so here again, uh, God expects us to be able to overcome uh, these things uh, that, are, that we're struggling with. So how do we win? How do we win uh, this battle uh, that we're in against this, the flesh and the spirit? Uh, how do we overcome it? How do we master it? Verse 7, uh, starting verse 6 of, of the same chapter, 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And so you know, here again it's in this context of, of what we're just talking about, about uh, the devil. And so I think we need to take note that we are to cast our cares upon Him. We're to go to God with our struggles. We're to go to God with the things that we're dealing with and cast our cares uh, to Him. Why? Because He cares for us. He wants us to win that battle like we just talked about. He, he wants to help us. Psalm 34 and verse 15. <clears throat> Psalm 34 and verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their cry. And so... Again, the Lord is, is, is there for us. He, his ears are open to our cry. If we'll just go to Him, uh, He'll help us. James 5 and in verse 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Uh, and I know this is dealing with uh, you know, confessing our sins, uh, but I think we can apply it in the context we're talking about right now of uh, especially this idea of the affectant, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So God wants us to come to Him. Uh, he wants us uh, to lean on Him. Second point here is quit flirting. You know, I think that's a lot of uh, our problem. Uh, a lot of the times is, you know, instead of getting rid of the thing that is, that is the struggle, instead of getting it completely out of our lives, we just want to flirt with it. We want to get right up there close to it. We want to see how, how close to sin we can get with actually, you know, being... Uh, completely tangled up in it. And that's just not what Jesus tells us to do. Start Matthew 5 and verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members should, one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members should perish and for your whole body to be cast into hell. And the question really is, is what are we willing to give up? That's really the question. Are we, re- are we willing to uh, you know, um, pluck out our eye and cut off our hand? Are we really willing to do that? That's the question. Uh, and I think you know, if you go back to the, uh, what, what we were talking about at the very beginning, uh, that this woman... Uh, that I was talking to basically said it, it's willpower. It's, 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 it's am I willing to take the steps necessary to get in, her, in the situation she's dealing with, get the cigarettes out, quit that. Am I willing to do that? Am I, am I willing to cut that off? And what measures might a person have to go to to do that? If you think for a minute, it might be, it might be pretty tough. We might not have, that person might not be able to hang out with their old friends that they smoked with. Uh, they're not, probably not likely to go to the same places anymore. Uh, they're likely to change a lot of their habits to get rid of this, to get this out of their life. And so 
uh, when we're talking about things of eternal nature, uh, we need to be willing to go to drastic measures to get things out of our life, uh, to quit doing things, to quit going places, and to um, get these things completely away from us so they don't tempt us. Uh, for the sake of time, we're not going to read uh, these verses that deal with abstain and flee, but if, if, you, if you look at the language used by Peter and Paul uh, throughout the rest of the New Testament, that's the language they use, this word of abstain. That's completely doing away with it, getting it out, fleeing from. That's running away from. That's not flirting with it. That's not seeing how close I can get to it. That's completely getting out out of our life. And so we need to be willing to do that. Um, <clears throat> like Jesus has, has said here in Matthew 5, pluck out your eye and cut off your hand. Get away from it because it will send you to hell. And so get away from it. That's where the devil wants us to go. That's why he's tempting you to keep it in your life because that's where he wants you to go. He knows that it will take you there. So get it out. Get rid of it. An encouragement from our brethren. Uh, I think this is a, a big one that we can, we can look to and we will. We should be able to look to one another to encourage one another, one another in those things that are right and discourage one another in those things that are wrong. But uh, in Hebrews 3 and in verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. This idea of the deceitfulness of sin, that's why I picked this passage uh, in dealing with encouraging one another because we can be hardened. We can be deceived by these things. We, we can be deceived to tell ourselves, well, this is not that bad or whatever it may be. Yeah, it is. And we need to encourage one another to not be deceived about sin. First Thessalonians 5 and in verse 11. First Thessalonians 5 and in verse 11. Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. And in Galatians 6, Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. And so... Um, we certainly get this idea in verse 2 that we're supposed to bear one another's burdens uh, and we're supposed to help one another in, in those times of need and, and things that, that we struggle with. And so, um, you know, we could add more things to this list. I, I, just, I just picked these three because I, I think these are all very important things to win. We need to lean on God uh, for help. We need to completely get the things out of our life that, that, that tempt us. And we need to lean on one another. We need to help one another uh, in, this, in this fight that we're in over uh, trying to have self-control, ha trying to master uh, the, this war that, that's going on in each and every one of us, this war between the flesh and the spirit. We need to help one another in those things. And one other thing we'll say here before we move on is uh, we need to strive to be honest with one another in these things, you know, to be, to be willing to come to one another and say, hey, I'm struggling with this or that. Uh, and then um, as brethren, uh, we need to be, be willing to, to help uh, one another truly get those things out of our life. So help, help one another identify these things that are in our life that Jesus is saying, get out completely, that He's telling us to pluck our eye out, that He's telling us to cut off our hand. We need to help one another identify those things so that we can help one another get those things out of our life. That's a big way... Uh, that we can help one another accomplish those things. Lastly, 
Let's win with Christ. I've got that up there. You know, we've been talking about this battle uh, that we're in. Uh, and so, um, let's, let's read these last two, two verses uh, as, as we close uh, and take encouragement in that the only way to win this battle is with Christ. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I want us to really focus on that uh, verse 37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And so it's only through Him that we can, be, that we can conquer uh, this fight. Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. And then verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great and high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so, in verse 15, we have a high priest, Jesus. We have that mediator, that advocate, as, as, as is used in other places, those words used of Jesus. Uh, we have this high priest that can sympathize with us with our weaknesses. Because why? Because he came to this earth and he was tempted just like we are. And so, uh, what's the Hebrew writer tell us? Come boldly to the throne of grace uh, so that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so that's what we need to be willing to do. We need to be willing uh, to come to Christ, uh, bow our knees, uh, and, and, and know that we can come boldly to the throne and ask for help uh, when we need it. And so, uh, let's remember here again that we can uh, be conquerors only through Jesus um, in this battle that we're, that we're fighting over, over our flesh. And so uh, if there's any uh, way that we can help you as a uh, group of God's people this morning, pray with you uh, about these things if need be, we'd ask that you'd come forward while Matt leads us in an invitation song.